Welcome back to Adventures in Blockchain. This is the podcast all about blockchain development. So I'm Gregory from DAP University. I've got my co-panelist, uh, Chuck Wood here. Hey! And, hey, Chuck. Uh, we've also got a guest on today. So I've got Clement from Kleros here to talk about what he's working on. So welcome to the podcast, Clement. Thank you. One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's, I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from the Food Fight Show. And we got things rolling there. And so this is more or less a continuation of the Food Fight Show where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com. So I'm Clément. I work uh, with, uh, with Carlos uh, on uh, creating a dispute resolution system for smart contract. So Kleros is in our life for around more than, a bit more than one year. Um, and the, the problem that we are, we are solving is when you make a smart contract, if you only refer to on-chain assets, that's easy. You can just create rules and the contract will execute as expected. But now if you want to refer to some outside element, for example, you want to pay someone to make your website, the chain has no way to know if this website was made or not. So if you use a system like Clear, you can put some money in an escrow contract, pay someone to make your website, and if the website is not made, you can ask your money back. And if the freelancer says, no, this was made, now you have a dispute and you need to solve it. And Clearance is a dispute resolution system to solve this kind of dispute. So here I give an example of an escrow dispute. Uh, we're going to have some uh, curated list dispute. So you want to make, you want to have a, a blog where people can publish articles, but you want to have some editing, uh, editorial policy. One question could be, does this article fulfill the policy of the blog? Yes or no. So should, should it be added or not? Another problem will be Oracle. Now you want to make some derivative contract uh, on the price of ETH but you have no way to know how much one ETH is worth in dollar on chain. So in this case, you could have a question which would be, what was the price of ETH at this particular time? And people may give different answer. And again, you need a way to solve the dispute about it. So almost all the time where you need to interact with some uh, outside world, uh, you will need to have dispute resolution system. Most of the time you don't have dispute, because a simple fear of the dispute resolution system is going to make people behave honestly, but system should be there for when people are dishonest or sometimes even 
unless people may have disagreement on how to interpret the rules. And that's why you need dispute resolution, resolution systems. Yeah, very cool. So that's that's great. And maybe let me kind of summarize and clarify a little bit for anyone who might be new around here. You know, uh, smart contracts are a really awesome part of blockchain, right? Where you can basically create a digital agreement that when something happens, here's an expected result. It's going to happen in a very trustless and decentralized way. And, you know, one of the really early uh, you know smart contract use cases that took off was, you know, ICOs, for example. And that's a very simple, uh, use case where you literally just pay cryptocurrency, which is native to the blockchain, and you get something else, which is also native to the blockchain, which is a new token, right? Something like on Ethereum. And it's going to all be handled by smart contracts without really anyone having to do anything else. And that's what you kind of talked about at the beginning, which was like, this is something that's all handled, quote unquote, on chain, on the blockchain, without really any need for any outside information. But some of the other scenarios which you brought up, like, Hey, I want to create a blockchain escrow service that's, you know, working uh, for like a freelancer or something like that. And I want to know, did this freelancer deliver this project, right? Or I want to create a derivative smart contract to, you know, speculate on cryptocurrency cryptocurrency prices, but I don't know what the price of Ethereum is from all these other exchanges. I need information outside of the blockchain. And there's, I've seen lots of projects, you know, try to tackle this problem uh, through a variety of ways. You, you mentioned like the Oracle problem and things like that. So I'm really excited to hear about how you're doing this at Kleros. Maybe you want to kind of give me uh, a, a brief overview of what your all strategy for handling this kind of uh, thing is, maybe in the example of the escrow that you mentioned. I also want to point out that I used to be a contractor and... Uh... Where was this when I was around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, oh, I feel your pain there. And also being on the other side of this of hiring contractors. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, totally. So yeah, Clement, tell us about that mechanism. Like, how are you all solving this problem of handling off-chain information? Maybe in the example of like the escrow service that you mentioned. So in this case, uh, if you have uh, this, uh, this party, which is going to pay your freelancer, uh, upon uh, delivery of a website, and they don't agree on whether the website was delivered to the specification, they would have to put a deposit. Uh, they would put a deposit. If both parties put a, de- put a deposit, uh, now this will create a dispute, and this is going to draw some uh, random jurors. So to be drawn as a juror, you have a token, which is a PNK that you can stake, and one token is one chance to be drawn. So for example, we'll draw three tokens, and if one of those tokens is yours, you're going to be a juror in the case. You have some incentive to vote honestly, because if you vote currently with the final result, you're going to get some arbitration fees, and you may get some tokens. But if you vote incurrently with the final result, you're going to lose some of your token. So that's a, a system which is uh, inspired by a shilling coin mechanism. You have multiple people, they cannot really coordinate and they have to give the same answer as most of the other people. So the answer that they can focus on is um, the focal point, and in this case, it will be honesty. So if the website is done, other people are probably going to vote that it's done. And so if I want to be rewarded, I want to also vote that it's done. Right. That so that's one of, of, the, of the basic uh, of, the, of the system. Um, and instead of doing that by asking everyone to vote on everything, which would not be scalable, we just draw a subset of people uh, who are going to vote uh, on this dispute. 
But because we want to have the resistance of the whole system for every dispute, there is some appeal mechanism. So imagine we have three jurors at the beginning and one party managed to bribe two of them uh, and then they vote that the website was not done, even if it was done. Now, party can put additional deposit, appeal, get more jurors, which are going to give a new ruling, and jurors are going to win or lose token and ease, depending on the final result. So they need to be coherent sometimes with some results of jurors which are not already known yet. So all of that is made to make a collision hard, and at the end of the day, if you want to have a bad result to chaos, you will need to bribe or corrupt uh, most of the token holders. And if it was the case, you would basically have destroyed the system because people, they don't want to have their contract arbitrated by a bad resolution system. So they will probably use another system, which would mean that the value of the coin of the system, the PNK, would be really low. Uh, so as a token holder and as a juror, uh, you have on the first level some incentive to be honest because you want to be honest with, uh, you want to be current with other people which are more likely to be honest than dishonest. And at the upper level, when everyone is voting, basically, uh, the system has an incentive to be honest because if it stops being honest, it will uh, lose its flow of arbitration fees and so uh, the token will lose its value. So, you have those two kind of incentive, uh, which overall uh, makes the system to uh, to avoid uh, to avoid bribing uh, in dispute resolution systems. Yeah, very cool. So it sounds like what you're talking about is it takes the uh, you know dispute mechanism away from a centralized platform, or maybe there's some sort of admin just saying, "Hey, this uh, was finished or it's not," and it accomplishes it more in a decentralized way where there's a, a jury system, like you talked about. And that's sort of selected randomly from a from the community, um, and these jurors are the ones that actually decide on the dispute. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. So you can have some like centralized system where, like, if you are I don't know if you're on Facebook, for example, uh, and um, you make some posts, and someone is reporting the post for violating the term and condition, you will have some employee of Facebook or a subsidiary of Facebook who's going to decide whether to keep or to remove the post. If you're on eBay and you buy some product and you say the product is not to specification, you will have some eBay employee, uh, which at some point is going to decide to refund you uh, or not. Right. But now, when you really want to make a decentralized system, you cannot have this decentralized party which are going to solve the dispute. Uh, you need another mechanism to do so. And Keros is providing a decentralized way to solve the dispute, which were usually solved by the central operators. That is really cool, I yeah. just have to say. So how does all this get implemented on a blockchain then? I mean, couldn't you just... I, I could see ways to do this without having a decentralized slash blockchain you know, focused system. So why the blockchain and how did you actually build it onto the blockchain? So first, you want to verify uh, that the system is operating correctly. So if you were not to make it on the blockchain, you will have an operator which could be bribe uh, that yes, fair. you would need to trust. Uh, and second, you want uh, to have the result enforced automatically. So when you have this kind of escrow contract, and if the result is the website was made, the funds in the escrow contract are automatically going to be paid to the freelancer. Uh -huh. If you have this curated registry, uh, so we currently have a curated registry which are verifying information 
about uh, tokens on Ethereum and some item is added to this registry. The, the, uh, and the result of the dispute is this item is correct. It can be added to the registry. The item is automatically added to this registry with uh, with Relo, which is uh, an Oracle system using Keros. Um, well, it's, it's Oracle is um, arbitrator agnostic, so it could use other arbitrator too. That's uh, an Oracle the, that you can use using Keros. You can ask a question, and if there is a dispute, Keros Jura can give the answer. And then the answer is automatically readable by all the contracts uh, which uh, rely on this answer uh, to execute. So by having a blockchain system, you have not only a transparent uh, system in, uh, in drawing and votes and results, but you also have a system whose uh, ruling are automatically executed by code. And that's even more powerful than, than, legal, than ruling in legal system. Like if you get a ruling which says that your neighbor owes you $1,000, you still need to get this $1,000 from your neighbor. Right. And if he doesn't want to pay, you need to use uh, some uh, some police or police-like systems uh, to make him pay. But yeah, that's even better. Like it's automatically paid, it's automatically transferred. Right. So then you just set up a smart contract in the system that says, you know, based on the ruling, you know, enter a ledger entry that transfers the money out of escrow and into this person's wallet. Yeah. About 10 months before we started Ruby Rogues, which is the oldest podcast on devchat.tv, I went freelance. And one of the things that I figured out pretty fast is that I had no idea what I was doing. And I made a bunch of mistakes, but I also made a bunch of friends who were doing freelance. And we got together and we started a podcast called The Freelancer Show. And The Freelancer Show has been running about as long as JavaScript Jabber. But we talk every week about all of the things that we were learning and doing in freelancing and giving people advice on how to get their business started so that they could go out and be independent if that's what they wanted. Nowadays, I'm not on the show anymore, but we have terrific people like Riven Lerner and Eric Dietrich that come on every week and talk to you about how they run their businesses and give other perspectives on things that you can do. So whether it's how to find clients or whether it's how to step in and start doing training or other programs or how to run a business, they have a ton of experience and they talk about all kinds of things that are gonna help you pull things together and be successful as a freelancer. So whether you're thinking about moonlighting and trying it out, or whether you're going whole hog and quitting your job, you should definitely check out The Freelancer Show. And you can find that at freelancershow.com. Well, in the first place, when you use escrow, you, put, uh, you have an escrow with Kairos as your arbitrator. And most of the time, you don't have any dispute. Like the simple fact that you could have dispute would probably make people behave honestly. And in some time, you may still get these people. In some time, you may get two honest people, which... Uh, disagree on something and then you get this dispute and when the results are there, they're automatically enforced. But there is some limitation to that, which is that smart contract can only have control on assets which were explicitly given to it. So right. if you want to make this escrow contract, you need to deposit the fund in the escrow contract. Uh, if you want to, to have a contract where one party will have a penalty for not, um, for not fulfilling the contract, this party would have to also deposit this fund in a, in a contract which can enforce this penalty. After, you can make some uh, more complex scheme like fractional reserves so that the total amount of penalty you can get would be higher than the amount you deposited. And assuming that you are not getting to pay all the penalty with everyone you are contracting with, uh, but that's the kind of limitation of a, of a smart contract system uh, that they can only affect money that, that has been given control to them, 
But on the other hand, it can be good because, I mean, uh, you know that if you're contracting with this person, at most, you risk this. Uh, you cannot risk more than what you explicitly put in. Right. I guess the other question I have is, are you working off of Ethereum or some other blockchain? Or did you build your own? Oh, so that's on Ethereum. And building our own blockchain will not really have that much chance uh, because it's an application which is made to be plugged into other applications. So you have a created list use case. You can plug... Uh, your application, which is uh, handling a created list, into Claros, which is going to then solve disputes about whether this item belongs to your list or not. Uh, if you have an e-commerce platform and uh, you you will have some buyer which are going to pay some seller, you can plug a Claros escrow uh, to, to keep the form before the transaction is done and to, in case of dispute, decide who is going to get the form. Uh, if you make some derivative contract, uh, you can use an Oracle, which is based on Keros, to solve dispute about the, about the settling price of uh, your derivative contract. And so for all of that, you need um, that compatibility of different applications. Like Keros itself, it's just going to give you an answer. Like it's just a smart contract call, which says this is the answer. So you have to see, you have like two sides. You have the arbitrator side, you have Keros, which gives some ruling, and you have the arbitrable side, which enforces them. So the escrow will be an arbitrable contract and Keros will give a ruling, which will be this website is done. And then the arbitrable contract with this ruling can say, okay, I know this website is done. So now I pay this party. And, and then... that can be paying people that can be setting some value that can be adding item or removing item to list. That can be pretty much everything that you can code. Not only just, not, not only monetary uh, transfers. That makes sense. I, I think it's also interesting just talking about the boundary here, right? So I'm assuming that most of your users are not going to be technical enough to actually, you know, put their own contract on the blockchain, right? They're going to use some other web interface or mobile interface in order to do that. Um, and so what what libraries and systems are you using to talk to the Ethereum blockchain in order to get this stuff on there? So um, that's already on the arbitrable side. So you can make your application, which is going to with the smart contract of this application are going to interact with Keros smart contracts. But after that, when you develop your application, that's up to you to decide if you want to make a Web3 website, if you want to make a desktop app or a mobile app. Um, you can make pretty much everything as long as you can interact with uh, with Keros contracts one way or another. Oh, I got you. So you're, you're just building the infrastructure then, and then people can build on top of your system so, to build the arbitration systems? Oh, so, so, so like Keros is in itself an arbitration system. Right. But there are, like Keros, it's an arbitrator part. You have the arbitrator part and you have the arbitrable part. So we build the arbitrator part, which is giving ruling. But for your use case, you probably want to do something with this ruling. So mm -hmm. if you have an escrow use case, you want to transfer funds. Uh, and that we build some, uh, some sample contract. So if you just want to transfer a fund, you would like you will come to us and we will say, oh yeah, we already built that, you can use it. But now if you want to make to do something more exotic, uh, you may have to to set up some uh, some contracts which are specifying what this contract should do when right. it gets this particular kind of ruling. Right. I guess I guess what I'm aiming at is then so so you've built the arbitration system, but it's up to me if I want to you know run escrow for people. To actually build the part, you know, the website or the mobile app or whatever that says, okay, we agree, the money goes into escrow, and then it uses your arbitration system if there's a problem. Yeah. And 
it's not necessarily like really on top. So yeah, sometimes you may have applications which are heavily relying on kernels that we will basically build on top. But you can have a whole system, like you can have this whole e-commerce platform, which is right. uh, listing some uh, some items, uh, which is uh, running some uh, some algorithm to determine what to show to which users. And one really small part of this platform may just be all the way under dispute. And then you plug the calls to that, and that solves the part of all the way under dispute. So you don't really need to like be building all the way on top of calls. You can just have your system, like start with a central arbitrator in your system. And I think a lot of platforms are going to do that because they want to go to market fast. And at some point, you're like, oh, I have like 100 disputes per day and my one guy in customer service is not able to, to solve them. And as long as we are solving them ourselves, we are a centralized platform. And to decentralize that, you, you plug it into girls. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the uh, you know traction that you all have had so far. You mentioned being live for some time now. What kind of projects are uh, you know using this as far as you know disputes go? Is it is it primarily the use case you mentioned for like uh, you know freelancers and things like that, or what are, what all are they using it for? So what we get the most use is uh, the token token related registry. So it's a registry of Ethereum tokens where you put a logo. Uh, a name, a ticker, and the network address. And the goal is to be able to have a list of all those tokens, uh, and which is verified. Because you know you have some people which are going to make fake tokens, they are going to duplicate your token, they basically control the supply, and they try to sell those fake tokens to people, like uh, to scam them. You have some uh, decentralized application, which for now tend to still have a centralized list of tokens that they accept. And... Uh, you may want to decentralize that, or even if you don't really care about decentralization, you may not want to take uh, the liability of uh, deciding which token can be used on your application or not. So we have this curated list of tokens. And in addition to having this curated list of tokens, you can put what we call badges, which are certifying some characteristics of tokens. So this can be something technical, like we have the ARC20 badge, which says that this token will comply to the RC20 standard and that we haven't found any bug yet. Uh, we had some badges with uh, Edfinex where they gave a, a listing criterion where project have to fulfill this criterion to get this badge and then to be able to get listing on Edfinex. So no, this is on pause because they are transitioning to diversify, uh, but we're going to get probably something uh, similar with, uh, with diversify. There is some other badges which are looking if a coin is a stable coin or not. So if you have a payment application and you want to allow different kinds of payments, you can list all the stable coin and that your user can use in your payment application. And this gives you an uh, important infrastructure point of which is getting uh, a list of, uh, of, uh, of trusted tokens. And with that, there is Uniswap.ninja, which is basically a Uniswap fork, which is pulling from this list of token instead of the centrally, uh, central lists which were made by uh, Uniswap creators. There is uh, Kleros Escrow, which is also pulling from this list uh, to show which token it's, uh, it's showing. Uh, you will soon have the Dutch checks, some Dutch checks front ends. Uh, so we just had uh, three or four days ago, uh, the DixDAO, which is control, which is DAO, which control the checks, uh, which is an exchange. We voted to, to have some... Uh, new front-end which will use uh, this registry to know which token to display. 
Um, we hope to have more more people using uh, using this kind of uh, infrastructure which uh, which is built. So on this one, it was built by the Claro team. So we built a dispute resolution system, but we are also building a few applications to show what we can do with Claros. Another example of application that we've built is obviously the escrow, which is uh, probably the simplest application that you can make. Uh, we have a few users, but um, still uh, way less than in, uh, in the integrated registry. So even if when I first cited Claros, I saw that the first killer app would have been uh, uh, would have been escrow. Uh, first killer app for now seems to be a uh, created list. On apps which were not made by us, uh, we have uh, Realistio, which is an Oracle application. So you ask a question and you can put some bond on answers. And if you do not agree on the answer, you can increase the bond and change the answer uh, up to the point where it starts to become interesting to, uh, to pay arbitration fee and create a dispute. So you can choose Claros as your arbitrator to, to solve the dispute about arbitrary question. So you can put ask question about what was the temperature in this town, what was the price of the beacon at this time, uh, who owns the election. So you can use that for prediction markets. Uh, for now, it's uh, used by uh, Crypto Unlocked, which is a proof of impact fundraising platform. So you spoke about uh, the can sale uh, before. So basically here, you can put some money which is, uh, which is left on the platform but which is only delivered when a goal is reached. So with Crypto Unlocked, you can make some, uh, something which could be some sort of token sale, except people who are uh, like the team only get the fund when they deliver the milestone. So you can make this kind of, uh, of contract, which may rely on Crypto Unlocked, which then rely on Realitio, which then rely on Charles. And that's quite interesting uh, because you see composability of application. You're not like making one application and people will just be on the top or, the, or uh, give a service to it. You have some, you make some application uh, which are connected to application, which are then connected to application. So you get some people to use Claros uh, more or less uh, directly. And that's really, oh, we see the ecosystem uh, growing. Uh, like for now, it's perhaps half of the application in some stuff which are made by the Claros team. Uh, but the goal is to, to have way more applications uh, which are plugged uh, by, uh, by other parties which need uh, to solve disputes in their particular systems. A couple of years ago, I put out a survey asking people what topics they wanted us to cover on devchat.tv. And I got two overwhelming responses. One was from the JavaScript community. They wanted a React show. And the other one was from the Ruby community and they wanted an Elixir show. So we started both. The React show, though, is React Roundup. And every week, we bring in people from the React community and we have conversations with them about React, about the community, about open source, about what goes into React, how to build React apps, and what's going on and changing in the React community. So if you're looking to keep current on the current React ecosystem and what's going on in React, you definitely need to be checking out React Roundup. You can find it at reactroundup.com. Yeah, very cool. Um, I have a question about something and, you know, uh, curious if you have any thoughts on this or, you know, the feasibility. I was thinking about escrow the other day and, you know, one of the big drags of escrow is from some, from the employer's perspective uh, or the person who's, you know, paying out the escrow is that they have to lock money up for a certain amount of time that has to sit there. They can't do anything with it. Um, do you see an opportunity here to improve the escrow model on the blockchain with new protocols like uh, Compound or something like that that are actually accruing interest as people lock money into, uh, you know, a contract for a certain amount of time? 
Yeah, so you could uh, use CDI. Uh, right. I don't think CDI is on the registry, but you can just add CDI on the registry and then you would be able to use it on the KLS escrow. So you don't yeah. need to ask permission for everyone. You just need to like find a logo for CDI. I mean, there is a logo for CDI. Submit that, submit the rest of CDI on the, on the token registry, uh, certify that it's ERC20, and then people will be able to use it on the escrow. Yeah, and yeah, very cool. That, that's, that's how it works. And you see like multiple applications relying on clouds, which are also interacting with each other. So again, more compatibility. Yeah, totally. And maybe I'll just clarify that for anyone's listening um, who may not quite understand what we're talking about here. So one way that I see, uh, you know, blockchain gaining adoption, everybody's kind of talking about decentralized finance and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'll explain like kind of the incentive here. The incentive is, you know, I'm a, you know, I either run a business or I'm an individual and I have money sitting in a bank account that's getting no interest essentially. Right. And then if I want to go pay somebody in escrow, it makes that problem worse because I have to take this money that's getting no interest already that I could potentially use for something else that could bear interest and put it in an escrow account for something I want to pay for at some, you know, future date. Might be a short amount of time, might be a long amount of time. Um, but there's already these incentives for like people to go hold money like in, stable cryptocurrency even that's going to gain you know APR right that's actually going to gain interest over time just by putting it in a, a different place than it was before now this seems to be like an opportunity where you can improve the escrow model and even incentivize people to use blockchain escrow services where you want to pay for something well say it locks your money up for a month two months three months maybe a year um, I know people who bill out of escrow accounts over a year's amount of time so what if you lock you know, money in an escrow account for a year, and it gained, you know, X percent interest over that amount of time as it was being, you know, withdrawn on the other side as milestones were being hit and things like that. I could see something like that really being have a strong incentive to use a blockchain based solution versus a centralized, you know, traditional legacy financial system for something like this. Yeah, and you, you can just you can just do it now, like, that's just a payment with another kind of token. Everything right, right. Is yeah, so just yeah, totally. register CDI and pay some people uh, with CDI using the escrow. Yeah, totally, totally. Awesome. Um, yeah, Chuck, do you have anything else that you are curious about? Nope. This is all really interesting, though, and I definitely want to uh, see it in action. So. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Um, awesome. Uh, well, Cloma, is there uh, anything else that you'd like for the people listening to know before we wrap up here? I think we, I quite explained uh, most of, oh yeah, perhaps, okay, on upcoming uh, application, uh, which, are, which are coming with Chaos. So we are developing uh, also on the, to, to see the ecosystem, uh, one translation application, which is a bit interesting because there it's a mix between uh, an escrow system and a, and a created list. So you will be able to give a text, a language you want to have it translated, put the maximum price that you're ready to pay and when you need to have it. And then translator can pick this task, give the, um, give the translation. And then even if you don't speak the language, you can have other translator which can verify the translation and challenge translation if they are wrong. And then you get dispute, which is, is this translation correct or not? In other quite exciting app, uh, which, uh, which we will discuss, uh, will be a proof of humanity, uh, where the goal is to have a list of verified humans. And basically, it's to uh, avoid a severe attack. Like if you want to give a UBI, universal basic income, you want to make a coin that you 
uh, mint and you give uh, every human one of these coins every day? Uh, how do you prevent people from registering 1,000 times to get 1,000 coins? So you want to verify human identities. So on, on this app, you would uh, put a, like a small sign, you will write your address, you will show it, and you will submit that. And then people can uh, verify that this small video of you is correct. It's effectively a human and not just some computer-generated uh, avatar. And that is not already present in the, in the, in the human database. So that's to avoid civil attack. So that's the two most exciting, I would say, uh, apps uh, that uh, we are working on girls right now. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So if uh, you know anyone listening wants to go check out Claros right now, uh, or they want to start building with it, or they want to you know see the token registry that you talked about, uh, or even find out more about you, where can they where can they do that? So you can look everything from Claros.io. So you will see uh, you will have a menu. You can see most of the apps. So you can look on uh, tokens.clo.io, which is the token registry. You can look on uh, escrow.clo.io, which is the escrow system. Uh, if you want to see uh, the Oracle, you can go on realit.io, which is the Oracle, uh, which uh, you can select uh, Kleros as your arbitrator. Mm, what else? If you want to look at uh, a DAP, which is using this uh, Oracle, you can go on uh, Crypto Unlocked uh, by WeTrust. If you want to look at an exchange which is using the registry, you can go on Uniswap.ninja. And I think I have, <laughs> I think I have it all. <laughs> but uh, sorry, yeah. so much uh, stuff coming. So I may have forgotten people. Sorry for that. Yeah, very cool. We'll be sure to put some links down in the description for all those. Yeah. And then are you on Twitter or do you have a blog or things like that? Yeah, so you can uh, follow uh, me at uh, at uh, C L E S A E G E on uh, on Twitter. But um, oh, you can look. Or you can just type Kels blog, and you will see uh, what was going with Kels. Yeah, and Kleros is K L E R O S. Yeah, should also be in the show notes. Yeah, just to be sure. Yeah, totally. And then on the devchat.tv shows, we typically end with picks. And uh, I thought that it would be fun to start doing them on this show as well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, generally people just pick stuff that they like. So I'm, I'm going to throw a few picks around. One of the picks that I have, just to get us started and kind of give you an idea of how this usually goes. Um, I've been reading a book called All In. And it's a, it's a business book. It talks about building culture in your business. And it's been really interesting to just kind of see how different companies like American Express and uh, they, they've listed a number of companies there. And it's like, yeah, see, in this division, they do these kinds of things and it builds this kind of a culture. And, you know, and it talks about transparency and in, in, in business, and you know, camaraderie and all of the things that you're trying to build on a team. And anyway, it's, it's a terrific book. I've really been enjoying it. And then another pick that I have, my, my wife and I have been watching this show for a while now. And we actually... We're watching it on Netflix and, you know, we got the notification. There are more episodes and we're like, oh, great. There's another season up. It's uh, The Blacklist. And uh, I can't remember what network it's on, but it's got James Spader. And um, this is the first show I've seen the woman on that is kind of the main protagonist. And so I don't actually know her name because I really generally don't care about what who actors and actresses are. But if I've seen them enough times, then I'll be like, OK, who is that guy or who is that lady? So um, anyway, it's, it's a terrific show. 
Um, and they, they go catch like these uh, international criminals. And uh, but he's an international criminal. And he's anyway, so it, it's, it's kind of fun to watch and, you know, see some of the clever uh, machinations that he comes up with as far as, you know, how he builds his little empire by working with the FBI. Right. So he always get, has some angle on it. And it's, it's it's a fun show. So, uh, yeah, we've been enjoying that. I think we're getting toward the end of season three. And I think there are six or seven seasons out. So anyway, um, I've been enjoying that show. So there you go. Gregory, do you have some things you want to pick? Mm, some picks. Uh, so what's, what's fresh on my mind? So we uh, just added a new member to our family. So that's kind of really all I'm thinking about uh, <laughs> outside of, yeah. of working. So You've done that five times, you're going to pick sleep, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick sleep. I'm going to pick sleep. I'm going to pick hiring a moving company to do everything for you because that's what we're also doing right now uh, because we're moving right after having a new baby. Uh, So yeah, highly recommend hiring moving companies. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of TV. So whenever I do like watch TV, sometimes it's, I just like watching things I watched a long time ago and haven't like seen <laughs> mm-hmm. in forever. Uh, so I started rewatching some of the, like the American version of the office, like when we're up late, just like, you know, <laughs> so making sure that a baby goes to sleep. That's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah. That's, those are my picks right now. Yeah. That so, show is hilarious. So I mean, the opposite, like, I don't like to watch stuff I already watch, but <laughs> I really find that strange for people to watch stuff over and over, like, you already see it, well, why are you watching it again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think, I don't know, I think right now it's just a familiarity type of thing because so many things are in flux, but outside of TV, yeah, I don't hardly ever do anything, like, twice. <laughs> yeah. So, I almost never watch TV either, so that's, like, the, that's the caveat <laughs> yeah i have i have one or two shows that periodically i'll be like i really enjoyed watching that. i'll go watch it again right but yeah for the most part it's okay what else is out there so yeah totally <laughs> so on tv show picks i will take uh, the hundred uh which is a, a tv show about um, like earth being mostly destroyed and human space which have to come back to earth uh, which I think is one of the most uh, underrated uh, TV show. You can also find that on Netflix. Um, cool. And good, uh, good, uh, good watch on that. Nice. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, yeah, people can go check all that stuff out. If you can put the links in the chat, then the team will put those in the show notes. Yeah, very cool. I went ahead and put a few in there, but uh, we'll make sure we get them all in there. Awesome, guys. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, I certainly learned a lot. And yeah, Clement, thanks a bunch for coming on the podcast today. Thank you to hosting me. me. Yeah, totally. Well, unless anyone has any uh, final words, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up here. Uh, Everybody, check out the links down below for Claros. uh, Follow Clement on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And thanks for listening. This has been a really great episode. Uh, So until next time, Thanks for uh, tuning in to Adventures in Blockchain. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.